Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of One for All, that weekly show where we review and rewatch, not specifically in that order, the anime My Hero Academia. This week, we are jumping in. We're like in the middle of the arc now. Oh, yeah. It is episode number nine of season four, Red Riot. Which means it's all about Karishima. I bet you couldn't have guessed. <laughs> the title. Based on the title, but it definitely is, and it is a great episode. I remember feeling real good about this one, mm -hmm. and I'm looking forward to rewatching it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's actually one of my favorite ones of the season. Heck yeah, and we get more Fatgum! Yes. Fatgum, it's weird. When he first showed up, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, I didn't really know how I felt about him, but he ends up being one of my favorite characters of the season. He... Well, I'm going to save this reflection on Fatgum for the end of the episode. We'll we'll talk about it then, but I agree. Do you want to jump right in and sure. get to it? Let's do that. We'll see you soon. And we are back with lots of notes. So, so many, many notes. notes. We actually like rewind a little bit. To the end of Sun Eater's fight from last time. Yeah, we see him standing victorious over his fallen enemies, but he is not, like, in great shape. Like, he's worried about his friends and stuff like that. But um, before he can get to them and help them, he passes out. There is a little note here that, just so you as the audience feel better, he has poisoned them with octopus toxin. And he has taken their masks, so they shouldn't be able to do much of anything. Mm -hmm. So you know he is no longer at the mercy of the villains when he passes. Yes, which is a, a good thing to think about. Then we go to Deku and the rest of the heroes. They're running through these hallways, and they're reflecting that they're not moving anymore. Like before, there was that villain mimicry yep. who was sort of adjusting the space. But they're instead, they're just running through this... Very suspiciously long hallway. This I'm sorry, I know I've mentioned this many times before, but the, there's no way this basement is this big. <laughs> Anyways, but they're running through this hallway, and they're ref they think that maybe the villain can only focus on one place at once. I feel like this basement isn't a basement. I feel like it's... it's some sort of underground tunnel system. Yeah. It, it has to be. It's like a giant labyrinth with some rooms in it. Secret base. A secret villain base. Definitely. And the two of them are, at the same time as they're talking about this villain, they're also concerned about a Sun Eater. And they're worried that he won't be able to stand up against the villains, but Fat Gum stands up for him again. Yeah, he does. I think it's funny because Karishima's like, I'm so worried. And Fat Gum's like, uh, he doesn't have any faith in this dude. Tells him it's going to be fine and that it's manly to believe in your friends. And Karishima's immediately like, yeah, it is. And Deku's like, that was a very quick reversal. A very quick turnaround. A little too quick actually the topic of discussion surrounding mimicry is that it seems like even though he has boosted he has a lot of control over the basement clearly he can't control all of it all the time mm -hmm. because it's so big and if he is somewhere else then he can't affect them but as a point of note eraser deduces that if he has to focus on them or be in the area in order to use his ability, that Eraser should be able to see him too. Yeah, and use his quirk to um, cancel out those powers, which would be very useful. So we asked them to sort of keep an eye out for him, for them. But before we can finish that scene up, we have a quick scene with Bubble Girl. Now, Bubble Girl and 
centipede dude have sort of centipede centipede have sort of gathered up a number of the bad guys and we get a little information from them about how there has been sort of a recent change in leadership with the shie hasaikai the gist of this conversation is bubble girl's like you guys are crazy yeah. like why are you out here fighting heroes you're just a bunch of regos like, it's not going to go well for you. And they're like, well, if we didn't, we'd get exploded. Yeah, from overhaul. And they reveal that they actually preferred the previous leader who was more like, he was more of like, I guess, a classic sort of Yakuza leader. And they saw, saw him as being very chivalrous and having a little more respect. And this new leader, overhaul, is not the same way. And they feel like him sort of bringing all these villains in is not very it's distasteful yeah it's distasteful the old boss resented being classified as a villain group because he felt like the yakuza were were above that petty riffraff chivalrous is the word that they use so they see overhaul taking a villain name and bringing villains into the organization and i mean this dude straight up murders people like all the time and we've seen it that one guy he totally exploded for not taking uh, good enough care of Ari and or good enough eye on Ari is probably more accurate and the guy that replaces him we know um, fears getting similarly exploded so it makes sense that these other dudes would feel similar yeah they're like we're not the crazy ones we think about the future like we're just trying to cover our butts and make sure we don't get killed you guys are crazy yeah like this dude is nuts <laughs> like, you're gonna get yourselves killed mm-hmm. foreshadowing for for later chaos and then we go back down to the suspiciously long hallway, underground, base, whatever. And we see Eraserhead get targeted by Mimicry. Mimicry knows that our boy Eraserhead is a threat. Yes. He's never seen the guy before, but he realizes through the conversation that they're having that this is the one, the only quirk eraser. And so he decides to send like a, a pillar of wall to what looks like crush him. Yeah. But fortunately... For, for me, because I love Eraserhead. <laughs> uh, and for Eraserhead, obviously, he does not get squished. And instead, Fat Gum jumps in the way and is able to use his abilities to absorb the blow, basically. But it's still powerful enough to like send him through the wall and into another room. It looks actually like Mimicry opened a tunnel on the yeah. other side as the impact was going to, to dump him out into a separate place. And we quickly find out that he wasn't the only one to jump in the way. Karishima is also there and stuck on Fatgum. Yeah, Karishima jumped first and then Fatgum was so big that we couldn't see him mm-hmm. in the moment. And then he got squished. Yeah. But of course, you know, between Karishima's hardening, hardening and Fatgum's fat absorption, they're fine. They're just totally A-OK. But they are not alone. Yes. Here, they have been pushed into a villain den. Yeah, and they immediately get attacked, attacked by this one villain, when obviously he's masked, as pretty much all of them are. And he is, like, uh, an offensive king. Like, he, you know, basically punches Karishima across the room into a wall and damages his arms pretty severely. Yeah, like, when this starts, they realize they're not alone. This brute of a man... He comes running in with his fist, and Karishima feels pretty confident. Yeah. He's like, don't blame me if you break your fist, mm-hmm. but it's Karishima who gets broken. Like, yeah. he gets hit into the wall on the far side, and it's actually really kind of, it's it's almost gory yeah. in a way, because, you know, when he hardens up, like, he gets real crunchy, mm-hmm. but, like, you can see the red 
in his arms, which you imagine must be like his blood and muscle, yeah. which has been like revealed under the broken, shattered skin. Yeah. So gross. Um, and, you know, he's clearly very taken aback by this, but our villain is pretty gung-ho for a fight. He even makes a comment about how guns are so boring. Why use them when you could you know, rely on the power within you, which he has a lot of. Yeah, Fat Gum's ready to step up and fight. But unfortunately, there's a force field. Yeah, we see a moment where he sort of tries to punch him and then he immediately hits a wall. And soon after this, it's revealed that this is not the only villain in the room. We see a second guy walk forward who's not quite gung-ho about fighting. He looks like a um, monk. Yeah, he, he's much calmer and quieter. And he's able to create sort of these shields around them, which he thinks makes them the perfect fighting force because they have a, a spear and a shield. Yeah, he's like, you two are screwed. You're a shield and a shield. And I don't even know if I can count the kid a, a shield at this point. But it's funny how in this conversation, the, the monk-like guy is talking to the big man, whose name is Rappa. 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 And he's like, you know, we're going to win this through the power of our superior teamwork. But it, it feels very much in the moment like they don't have good teamwork because Rappa really wants to go punch people. Yeah. And this dude is like, no, like we got to be careful. Yeah, it immediately establishes them as being very different from the villain group that we dealt with last week and their strength was you know that they worked well together but these two feel like they've been more sort of cobbled together for this particular instance because their powers work to work together well but their personalities clash i think it is really funny rap is like hey let me go do the thing mm -hmm. i want to go beat the shit out of this guy and the monk's like remember what master overhauls said yeah, and he Rappa's calls him over jerk, jerk. <laughs> And <laughs> like, oh, that's perfect. <laughs> and while this is going on, they're having this little disagreement. Like, Fat Gum's getting ready to fight. He's like, I'll fight you. Like, I used to be big into martial arts and do all this stuff. It'll be cool. Because Fat Gum realizes Karishima is in no space to fight at the moment. Like, yeah. he was very blustery. Like, don't give up hope. Like, I think that might have actually been before now. Mm -hmm. Where it looks like Red Riot's kind of like broken. Yeah. And not just physically, but emotionally, like mentally. And he's like, you gotta, you can't lose your will to fight this early because we, we're gonna die. Yeah. But he realizes that he really needs to step it up. And he basically goads Rappa into having a one-on-one -on -one fight with him that doesn't involve Karishima. Or the monk, man. Or the monk. But the the thing about this is Fat Gum is reasonably certain the monk will still get involved if things turn bad. So he can't really count on them being a chivalrous pair. But he, he realizes they're in a really bad situation. And the majority of the rest of the episode is Fakum getting the shit kicked out of him while Karishima feels, like, terrible, feels about terrible about it. And we actually go into sort of his background a little more. We finally get some flashbacks from young Karishima. Who has black hair. Yeah, which we didn't really know until like these flashback sequences that started this arc. Basically, Karishima is having this moment in this room where he's like, I'm no different. Like, I'm still that scared kid from mm -hmm. back in middle school, back in middle school, back in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> And then you see that scared kid. You see, like, I think it's probably a typical scene in superhero origin stories where there is a kid being bullied. Apparently this kid has the ability to turn leaves into money. And some of these other kids are like, oh my god, we need money. You should do it. And this kid's like, I mean, I mean, no, it's going to turn back into leaves pretty quickly. It's not going to work out. And uh, then we have the moment where Karishima charges in and is the hero, but it doesn't quite work out like that. Nope. He, they, like, hit him with something and he just is like, ow. Can't do it. Because he wasn't super hard 
powers yet. He was only lightly hardening powers. Yeah, it looks like he has like his arms and stuff like that, but he can't harden his whole body yet. Yep. He is very inefficient at saving this kid who's being bullied. His friends pop up a couple minutes later and are like, hey, you should know better. Mm-hmm. You can't do crap. Normies like us, we're not great at things and stuff. And we get um reflection of Karishima here about, you know, his hero, Crimson Riot, which he has mentioned before, who was, you know, a more, seen as a more old-fashioned hero. The bullied boy and the two bullies are actually approached by Mina. And you think that they're going to have a big fight or something like that. And she's going to defend the bullied boy, which I guess she does. But they do it through a dance-off. And then everybody leaves his friends. It's the funniest fucking thing. Yeah, and we don't actually get to see the conversation between the two of them. But we do get, you know, reflections from Karishima's friends. Who are like, you know, she has great reflexes. You know, she's a real people person. She's good at getting along with people. And she's super trendy and stuff like that. So she's totally going to be a hero. Yeah, I hear she's going to apply to UA. Um, but the rest of us couldn't do that. Again, we're just normies with subpar powers and we're not cool enough. Yeah, but we learn quickly that Karishima, as we know, because he went to UA, <laughs> he really wants to go to UA. We see him looking at a piece of paper that has the list of the high schools that he is applying to. And there are like three spots, but he only has one. And that spot is UA. That's very risky, by the way. Yeah, it, it really, really is. And he, he really wants to do this, but he he lacks confidence, which I think is something we've seen on and off throughout this arc. Yes. Um, and so interestingly enough, we get a second scene with him as a kid where he's out on the street and he sees Mina's two friends being intimidated by a very tall villain um, who wants to know how to get to a certain hero agency. But when they don't answer him, he like attacks the building around them and like rears over them in a very threatening way and you think oh he wasn't able to help out before but this is the moment he's going to step in and be a real hero but it doesn't work out like that he's too afraid yeah he's too afraid he's too afraid and mina saves the day again running in and giving this guy directions to the police office that she says she says oh i sent him to the cops (laughs) later on and it works like the guy leaves He wasn't at the point where he was violent yet, so there didn't have to be any fighting. But she manages to sort of get him away. And afterwards, she collapsed. She's like, oh, God, that was so scary. (laughs) There's a really interesting note here. Nancy and I are notably folks who haven't read the manga. Like, Mm -hmm. I I end up seeing some things on our Twitter just because... Spoilers abound. Spoilers abound. Uh, It's almost unavoidable if you, you work in the space like we do. But we don't read the manga. And what I thought was interesting here is as this guy leaves... He says something like, it's all for the master, Mm -hmm. which seems like a really important line in hindsight. Yeah, because it isn't something you would normally hear from like, you know, a A rando rando character. Like it seems more significant than that. Yeah, this guy shows up for what, all of two minutes Mm -hmm. in this episode briefly, and he has that line. But it occurred to me in this rewatch that he reminds me a lot of Gigantomachia. He's enormous. Mm -hmm. Like the kids are like, up to his calf. Yeah. He's super strong. He's got that kind of like broken, uh, monstrous face that Gigantomachia has. I'll be interested, interested to see if that pans out yeah. down the way. But I hadn't thought about that on the first three watches. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here being like, something's familiar about this. There is more depth to this show than you think. But anyways, going back to, there's a commercial break. Commercial break. Commercial break. And then we continue to have this flashback sort of section. Um, And we see Karishima in his room 
feeling really sad and like he's fallen short again. And we hear him... He's reflecting on the Deku incident. Yeah, and that really surprised me. I don't know why it surprised me, but that surprised me when I first watched the show because I'm like, oh, he knows about Deku? And like, he doesn't know about Deku by name, but he it made it out to the news. So I guess it was that significant. But he feels like he wouldn't be able to do something like that. So even if All Might was the one to save the day ultimately, the fact that this kid ran in and acted heroically... He, without a plan. Without a plan. Um, but he envies that. Yeah, he does. And he's like, I guess I, I'm just not cut out for this. He ends up hitting his bookshelf or his media shelf mm-hmm. with his fist because he's frustrated. And he crosses UA off of the list that he has of schools that he wants to go to. But in the tumble, a little one of those little hollow vids mm-hmm. uh, hits the floor and starts playing. And it's of his hero, Crimson Riot, doing an interview sometime before his untimely death about what courage is what is it that makes somebody a hero and this is this really great scene and you can see how crimson riot as a character shapes karishima and his journey crimson riot is like oh no i i get afraid when i have to fight villains they're fucking scary yeah it's only logical it's only logical you'd have to be an idiot not to be afraid of villains who will kill you like i don't want to die But I also, when I was a sidekick, hesitated and someone died instead. Mm -hmm. Like, I could have saved them and I did nothing. Yeah, so we're able to see how his desire to protect people is able to override his logical fear um, against villains. He's like, you know, there, there are worse things than death. And, like, having to live with knowing, watching someone else get killed who, who was looking to me to save them is, is way worse than than dying or taking that risk and so i will always be like a courageous hero who rushes in to save people because that's the right thing to do that's the definition of what a hero is and that is exactly what karishima needs to hear because when he goes to school the next day he has ua written back in that that box on his paper he tells his friends and he goes and he apologizes to the girls for not stepping in they don't recognize him they're like who's that again who's that again <laughs> Mina is in this room listening to this, but she doesn't interact in this scene. Mm -hmm. But he goes on a bit of a training montage, Mm -hmm. a very short one, albeit. And we see him applying for UA and, you know, doing the initial exam and getting in, just like Deku did. Yeah, it's funny how over the course of the series, sometimes we see other people's UA letter experience, Mm -hmm. which is very similar. Everyone's like, yay, somebody (laughs) sent me a thing. We're really excited. And then he goes to UA and on his first... Day, he has dyed his hair red. Yes. And he runs into Mina, who is taken aback a little bit by this new hairstyle. Yep. They have a little bit of a conversation, and she says something like, it was really hard for you that day that you didn't step in, like your failure to do that. And he's like, yeah, it, it was, but like I've decided that I, I can do better and be better, and I'm going to be a great hero. Um, and as a result, he has dyed his hair red like Crimson Riot, his hero. Yep. And I think this scene is really great. We don't get a lot of attention on Mina either as a character normally. Mm-hmm. So it's, forever, really. Forever. Yeah. It's nice to see some of her origin here with Karishima's. The only thing that I think I would have wanted with this revelation is that they would have been a little bit closer in the series previous because they knew each other. They went to middle school together. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously... 
just because they went to a similar middle school doesn't mean they're going to be best friends. But I think that at least initially before, you know, they made friends, like Karishima made friends with Bakugo, and Mina settled down to like some of the female classmates, that they probably would have been more of a unit because they at least they knew each other. Yeah, and I mean, this this conversation that she has with Karishima on the way to UA on day one is very friendly. Mm-hmm. And it's familiar in a way that shows that they, even if they don't hang out, they get along fine mm-hmm. and they know each other. But we don't get any hints of that up until this flashback, which is unfortunate because I actually think it's a good relationship. Yeah. Um, and an interesting one. And then we go back to the present where Fat Gum is fighting. Oh, he's yeah. getting, oh, the, he's, yeah. he's bloodied. Yeah, he basically, it's an ultimate barrage of blows over and over again. But you could tell that Fat Gum, he's gearing up for something. And the shield guy can also tell that. Yeah. Like he's, he can senses that something is going to happen. He's like, finish him off quick. He's up to something. And what we learn is he is up to something. Mm-hmm. His ability isn't just to store this fat and be defensive to reduce damage to himself. When he is hit, he can take some of that fat and turn it into energy. Mm-hmm. So that every time he gets hit, more and more of his fat falls away. More and more of the shield falls away. But he's storing it into one big punch. And But we get a moment when... Rappa is going to attack and then Karishima throws himself in the way and he has sort of gained this confidence and he to basically harden his skin over and over again even if it breaks and to take a blow um, quite a few blows actually and Rappa is actually surprised that you know is this the same kid you know from just a few minutes ago but unfortunately Karishima is still not able to get through this shield uh, as our shield friend realizes that it's time for him to step in. Yep, it's time for him to step in. But Red Riot, his sacrifice, his beatdown is not in vain because he bought time for Fat Gum to finish this transfer of energy from his fat to his fist. And we see the slim Fat Gum. Yeah, it's this great moment where we get this giant punch through the barrier. And then, you know, we get revealed a skinny Fat Gum, which makes his powers so interesting i must admit because this entire time we're like oh his entire powers is he absorbs all this energy with his fat but that is just his defensive mode his offensive mode is something different yeah it's it's a really interesting quirk i also like the fact that he's a pretty muscular dude oh, under yeah. like all of that and there's this really great moment where he's like you know you didn't just underestimate me like you underestimated and he's like, and I underestimated, you know, the chivalrous spirit of Red Riot. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a great moment. This faith that Fat Gum has had in Karishima and Sun Eater mm-hmm. this whole time over the last two episodes is really justified. Yes. In a very visible, quantifiable way. And that is it. That is the end of the episode. It ends on a bit of a cliffhanger. Um, but I think it's a really good episode. I mentioned it's probably one of my favorites of the season. Agreed. I think you get a lot of the same feels as the earlier Red Riot episode, but mm-hmm. there's more focus. Yeah. It's less busy. So you get you get that big, good emotional swell and character development moment, that triumphant moment, without being like, oh God, everything's happening at once all the time. Yep. There is a little bit of that at the beginning of the episode. It's kind of similar, actually, to the Sun Eater fight, where it feels at the beginning, it's lots of running around and like filling in sort of like plot elements. And then they're like, okay, we're here. It's time for the big fight. It's shown in time. It's shown in time. Uh, And it's a great fight. This week's fight is great. I really love seeing our Class 1A heroes really step up to the plate 
and show what they're made of. Like, I think it's really telling that this class in particular, the pros look at them and be like, these kids are amazing. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, you know, we're four seasons in, but we're not even a, a year in? Nope. Um, it's, it's far. And so all these kids are basically, you know, the equivalent of high school freshmen and they've able to, been able to come so far and to become such impressive fighters already. Oh, it's so good. It gives me all the warm feels. Do you have a plus ultra character of the week? I mean, I feel like we have to give it to Karishima or Fat Gum this week. Yeah, I'm going to give it to Karishima um, because to me, I feel like the moment that he was able to come back from all of this insecurity and to throw himself in the line of fire and sort of commit himself to the fight, that is the most impressive to me. And also, it's impressive seeing him as a student to see him fail multiple times and still basically step up when he needed to to achieve his dream. So that's really impressive. I agree with you. Like, I think what Fakum did this episode was really impressive. Yeah. It takes a lot of guts to have the shit kicked out of you for a single opening mm-hmm. to to win the day that you might not execute right and you could die. But Fakum's a pro and he already knows what's up his sleeve when he agrees to get this beat down put on him. Karishima doesn't know that. Like, to him, there may be no victory, mm-hmm. but he charges in anyway. Both great characters, and, and similar in a lot of ways, because they're very gung-ho. I mean, as I mentioned before, I really like Fat Gum as a character. I love how he's becoming, like, the greatest hype man for all of these characters, and sort of his faith in them is what helps sort of fuel them. There's a lot of things I like about Fat Gum that I want to talk about right now. One, he is he's a big hero mm. by nature because he has to store all that fat. Yeah. But he's not ashamed of being overweight. People like him. Mm-hmm. Anyways, they're real friendly with him. Like they're like, Fat Gum, come eat at my place. Like we love you. He's extremely like just positive mm-hmm. about like students and other people. And he's competent. I feel like take a, a great counterexample. The Blob in mm-hmm. X-Men is played for a rube yeah. in those comics. Like, he's a big, overweight, dumb villain. Yeah. And that isn't a great look. No. And I feel like it's actually, like, a common theme oftentimes. Not even just in superhero stories, but fat equals dumb. Which, as we know from real life, isn't true. There are plenty of big people, very big people, who are very smart. And I feel like, you know, constantly judging them in that way is terrible. But at the same time, I feel like it is so rare to get an example in superhero fiction, period, in movies, TV shows, comics, that has a positive portrayal of a fat hero or villain, for that matter. Like, I know we've talked about Thor in Endgame and how it was felt like it was half done right because we have, you know, someone putting on weight for really genuine reasons, uh, going through a significant amount of trauma and still being an awesome badass, but he is constantly undercut by everyone making fun of him. Yeah, the the underlying message that they were trying to tell was good, but playing it up for comedy, somebody's grief, yeah. like, and depression and the resulting physical um, visibility of that. What was was not good. And I really appreciate the fact that Fat Gum is such a positive, well-realized mm-hmm. character who is appreciated for his weight and for his body and mm-hmm. what he brings to society. Way to go, Horikoshi. Yeah. Clearly, we are pro-Fat Gum. <laughs> we are pro-Fat Gum. I, I love that guy. He's mm-hmm. so freaking good. And I think that Karishima's got a great mentor here. Yes, like, he does. Like, this is, this is a dude... 
you can tell when they said UA students are only going to go to these work studies with people who have good track records, why he has a good track record. Um, and I think that's been true of all the heroes that we've seen our UA students with. That line was not just like lip service. No, I mean, look at what we've seen of Night Eye. Like, for all that he is a very different hero than we have seen Deku sort of interact with before. The fact that he is such a careful and meticulous hero, I think, really works to his advantage. This arc has its problems, but the things it does well, it does so freaking well. Yeah, really well. There's some really great characters here. There's some characters that we don't get to see as much of as I would like or get as much detail mm-hmm. as I would like. Rocklock, I'm looking at you. Yeah, and, and all of the female characters. Yep, Dragon yes, Lady. all of them. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I feel really bad that the big three will all... They feel like they should all get their moment here. Yeah, in this particular arc, it feels like it's supposed to be their time to shine. And we get this wonderful episode with Sun Eater. And we see Mirio sort of get his moment later on. I mean, he's already been pretty impressive. But the same does not go for yeah. Hado. Hado... Hado is almost nowhere to be seen. She has no big fights. <laughs> it's really disappointing. Her powers are really neat. Yeah. That is the episode. That is that is all the stuff for this week. Thank you for listening as always. If you want to talk to us about how great Fat Gum is, mm-hmm. which we would love to talk to you about, you can do so over on Twitter at One for All Cast. We are also there individually as well for our other projects. I am at Incidentally Anna and Nancy is at Watch Nancy tweet. Additionally, if you love the show, we'd love for you to give us a rating or a review on your podcatcher of choice. We know some of those don't let you do that. That's totally fine, but we would appreciate you if you could and or did. Now, don't forget, Nancy is an author who writes superhero fiction. If you're new here, that's probably news to you. And we know there are some new people here because our our numbers fluctuate up and down uh, with new listeners. So welcome. If you're new here, if you want some good hero fiction, check out the Red and Black series. Please do. We have four books now. And it's all available to you over on Amazon in paper book, electronic book, Kindle Unlimited book, all the book. Now, thank you as always for listening. We do this show for you. A lot goes into this show, probably more than you might think. And we do that because you guys listen every week. That is the love letter you send to us with your ears. I think it's the only love letter you send with your ears. Yeah, this is kind of a weird metaphor. Yeah, I I, I lost <laughs> it along the way. I'm the worst. That's um, okay. Thank you to Richard Acosta for our opening and ending credits. They're wonderful, and we use them every week, obviously. And a big, special, extra special thank you to my co-host, The Nancy, for all of her great fiction thoughts as we go through this series every week. Now, next time it is Season 4, Episode 10, Temp Squad. I don't remember that episode. I guess we'll find out when we get there. We will. See you then. See you then.